What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Sorry to interrupt today's episode, but it's about time that our men do some of the work here. Am I right or am I right? I mean, come on. They always get to be a part of the fun aspect of TTC. But Belly Men Vitality Multivitamin provides men with the right nutrients optimized for reproductive and sperm health with some amazing bonus benefits of energy, balance, and overall wellness. Belly's proprietary Vitality Blend provides powerful nutrients that can increase sperm count, protect sperm while they grow, improve sperm quality, improve egg penetration, balance acid alkaline in the body to help sperm survive and work properly, boost energy, and improve cellular health. So if your man's already taking a multivitamin, might as well get him on a sperm-enhancing multivitamin, and I don't think that he's going to fight you on that. So grab your Belly Men Vitality Multivitamin using the link in the description of this episode. Now let's get into today's story. Hello everyone, we have Colleen Lutz on today's episode. I'm so excited to get to know a little bit more about her and her story. Colleen, I'm just going to toss it at you, start wherever you'd like. Okay, hi. Um, It's so, so crazy to be here. I've been listening for a few months and I just felt like I had to get my story out there as well because I feel like mine is a little bit different than most. Um, So I'll start at the beginning. I met my husband through a mutual friend right after college in 2009. We dated for about four years and he proposed. We got married a year later in October 2014. Uh, We both grew up as only children. I actually have a sister who's 18 years older than me, but she wasn't in the house when I was growing up. So it was really just me. And we knew we never wanted to have only one child because of that. Uh, We decided to enjoy married life for a little while. We spent that first year of marriage traveling and just having fun. And sometime in 2016, we decided like, hey, we're not getting any younger. Let's, uh, let's, Let's see what happens. So I got my IUD removed. And we weren't really tracking, kind of letting it happen. And Four months in, it hadn't happened yet, so I got a little more serious, started using the ovulation sticks, and we got pregnant right away in October of 2016. And I had a sort of high-risk pregnancy, but nothing crazy. I had um, gestational diabetes and elevated blood pressure throughout, which eventually did turn into preeclampsia, and I was induced at 37 weeks in June of 2017. And of course it didn't work and they had to do an emergency C-section and everything went well and she was born and she was perfect and she's three now. And because of how relatively easy that was, we assumed the next pregnancy would kind of follow the same path. So around her second birthday, we said, hey, it's time, let's try this again. We'll get pregnant quickly and they'll be like around three years apart, it'll be perfect. And um, Of course, it never works quite that way. Uh, We found out we were pregnant again after trying for two months, and this was uh, July 2019. And I always get positives pretty early, so I took the test like 
four days before my period was due. And I remember it was a Wednesday and it came up faint positive and my husband never believes them unless he can see the line or the digital says yes. So that night he made me take another test and to show him on the digital that it said, yes, you are pregnant. So we were excited. We couldn't believe how easy it was. And then, you know, Friday came around. I went to the bathroom at night and there was some, some blood and brown on the toilet paper. And I was like, okay, you know, I know this happens. My, my period could still be coming or it could be implantation bleeding because it's still so early. But I, I just, I couldn't believe like, oh my God, I'm about to have a chemical. And um, the next day we were supposed to go to a food truck festival with my cousin and her husband. And we had planned to tell them we were pregnant, but because of the bleeding, we decided to, to hold off on it. So I called the on-call doctor and said, you know, what do I do? And they said, there's really nothing we can do. Uh, you can go either way. Just wait and see. Um, if it gets heavier, call us back, you know, the whole thing. So we got through that day somehow. I don't know how. Um, the next day I was going to see um, an off-Broadway show with my nephew's fiance. So I went to that as well. The bleeding was picking up a little bit and there was like weird tissue in the toilet too when I went. So I was like kind of convinced this was over, but still treating myself like I was pregnant. And the t I, t I took a test every one of those mornings and they were all getting darker and it was very confusing. So that Monday I called the doctor again and said, look, this is, this is getting weird. Now there's tissue in the toilet and I, I don't know what to do. And they said, okay, we'll move you from eight weeks to six weeks just to make sure it's not an ectopic and that everything's in the right place. And we'll take your blood work and make sure, you know, your numbers are good. So that would be probably like a week and a half later. And in the meantime, my birthday had come up and my mother-in-law was coming from out of state. So we decided to all go out to dinner with all of our parents and tell them about the pregnancy. And looking back, probably not the best idea because it was so unsure still, but the tests were getting darker. The spotting was coming and going and situation was just like, so ideal so we went for it uh, we put our daughter in a big sister shirt and everyone was once they realized what the shirt said they were so excited and everyone was crying and hugging um it was a great day and you know i'm glad we did it i we could have waited but i'm glad we did it when we did we didn't tell anyone else yet um so then the appointment finally came up i think it might have been the, the next day and uh, I was six weeks based on my period. But I usually ovulate a couple days late in the cycle. So I knew I was somewhere between five and a half and six weeks. And so my husband and I go in, they take the blood, the doctor comes in for the ultrasound. Um, he said, we'll definitely see the sac, we'll likely see the yolk and the fetal pole, but probably not a heartbeat yet, but we might get lucky. So I expected no heartbeat, but I, I thought I'd see something. When they did the scan, all there was was an empty gestational sac, just a black hole in my uterus and absolutely nothing there. He said, don't worry yet. You ovulated late. A couple days, a couple hours makes a difference at this point. So I'm trying not to panic. But even if there was a three-day difference, I felt like we should have seen the yolk sac at least. So he told me, schedule another appointment in a week. Come back. We'll see if there's growth. 
He said, it's probably fine, but it could be a blighted ovum. We won't know until you know, we had to let the time pass. And we were so confused and sad, but hopeful. And it was just the longest week of my life. It was torture. My husband was being super optimistic, but he wasn't the one in the message boards and the Facebook groups and the what to expect app, app seeing like how common this is and how, how common it is early. But I kind of let his optimism keep me happy and get me through that those seven days. I got my numbers back. The H HCG was like over 10,000 and my progesterone was low. So I think that's why I was spotting. They put me on a supplement and it was coming and going. It didn't really make a difference. I, I wasn't spotted through that whole pregnancy. Um, but when the next appointment came, um, we went in and I felt like I was going to throw up or pass out. I was so terrified. They did the ultrasound and sure enough, there was the baby with a heartbeat and in like the one fifties or one sixties. And I just start crying and my husband relaxes. The doctor is happy with what he sees. Everything is the way it's supposed to be. I still have the spotting. So they checked me. My cervix was closed. There was like leftover blood in there. So she cleaned it out, but they, they didn't know where it was coming from. Um, they just said, it's probably one of those things. It'll stop or it won't, but you know, it's, it's okay. The baby's good. Um, we got the due date of April 12th, which happened to be Easter Sunday and we were on our way. And we were just so happy and so relieved that it seemed like the pregnancy was going to work after all. Uh, my mom had our daughter for that night. So we decided to go to dinner and celebrate and we put the ultrasound picture on the fridge. And we just basically counted our blessings. We felt so lucky that we came out the other side when so many people don't. Um, but even, even then, I knew something something was wrong. I wasn't convinced in my head. Even going forward in that pregnancy, every time I talked about it, I'd say, yeah, we're due in April if things go well, or if we make it to April, or hopefully the baby. And I never did that with my daughter. And with her, I just assumed I'm pregnant, I'll have my baby. And this felt different in my heart. And I, I don't know if it was intuition or I was just protecting myself, but I just, I just knew. But um, as the weeks and the days go on, we decided to do the sneak peek blood test for the gender. And we had a gender reveal plan and the NIPT results weren't going to be ready yet. So we did the, the sneak peek and it worked out. We started planning it. I'd be around 12 weeks. We had to do it that weekend because the next two or three weekends were booked with like New York Comic Con and the Harry Potter convention. And we were just traveling and busy. So we, we ordered the the gender reveal ball. It was one of those balls you smash on the ground and the powder, the colored powder comes out. So we gave it to our daughter and we helped her throw it on the ground because at this point she's like, uh, just turned two. And um, so she smashes it and it's blue. We're having a boy and my husband almost passed out because he, he is convinced we are destined to have girls and only girls. He thinks, well, he used to think we're going to have five girls, no boys, and he'll just be tortured for the rest of his life. But this was a boy. We were getting our boy. I'm over the moon. He's over the moon. And even though I was beginning to trust this pregnancy because the appointments were going well, I, I still couldn't shake the feeling that it wasn't right. I can't explain it. 
but I almost felt like a fraud with the pregnancy. Like it wasn't real and we were just like pretending. And I accounted it to just being like normal first trimester nervous, but we were almost out of it at this point. So I guess that spotting and the, and the bleeding was really confusing me. But while all of this is happening, right before the gender reveal party, my cousin, same one from the food truck festival, who is like my sister, tells me that they're pregnant too. And no one knows yet, but she just like, you know, they're really early and she tells me they're pregnant. I am so excited. Our babies will be two months apart. They were due in June. Um, we get to be pregnant together. And because we grew up like sisters, we were you know excited that our kids would grow up close like that. And so it turns out my nephew and his fiance were also pregnant, but they were due in February. Um, it was just exciting that we were all going to be doing this together. That towards the end of the reveal party, since it was just family left, my cousin was saying she wanted to tell the family that they were pregnant, they were excited. And I said, yeah, 100%, tell everyone, this is, this is awesome. We, who expects to get hit with like two surprises of good news? And uh, so they told everyone. And it was, it was just so happy. And the love and joy that day was just so beautiful and amazing. And even knowing what comes after, I'm so happy to have had that experience and that memory to look back on because it was, it was just so exciting. Uh, sad for me now, but so exciting. And uh, so the next day was my 12 week appointment. And I had the, the NT scan at the high risk office where they look at the neck to make sure the measurement is good for like Down syndrome. And that scan went well and they said everything looked perfect. He was measuring exactly on target and the heart rate was still strong, but I did notice that he seemed to be like really still. And I, I remember my daughter in her ultrasounds was never still. She was always flipping and kicking and crazy. So he wasn't moving at all, but they said, he's probably just sleeping. It's fine. This happens. And they jiggled my belly and he started moving a little. So I relaxed a little bit. Um, they said everything looked normal, but because of my history with preeclampsia, they booked me for an early anatomy ultrasound. So I'll go in at 16 weeks and 20 weeks to measure everything. Um, I was excited I'd get to see him, you know, more times and that things were progressing well. And it was, it just, it seemed good. Uh, the next weekend we had New York Comic Con. And then the weekend after that, I was going up to Boston for LeakyCon, which is the Harry Potter convention with my nephew's fiance. And I had an appointment the day after we got back from Boston. But before every appointment, I would use my Doppler at home just to double check on things and make sure that I could find the heartbeat so I didn't get hit with any surprises at the doctor's office. And right before we left for Boston, I pulled it out just, just to kind of get me through the weekend and I couldn't find his heartbeat. And I'm like, okay, you know, you're only like 13, almost 14 weeks. Google says that it's normal not to find it until like 16 weeks. Maybe he's curled up somewhere. Maybe he's behind your hip bone. Who knows? Everything's fine. Uh, I tried for 30 minutes and I never was able to find him. But we went. We had a great weekend. Um, my, well, my nephew's fiance, my niece, um, she told me recently that while we were on that trip, I... I was really worried and was voicing concerns, but I, I honestly don't remember doing that. All I remember was telling her I, I couldn't find the heartbeat, but 
I, I guess I was more concerned than I am allowing myself to remember. Um, we got home late Sunday from Boston. I had an appointment after work the next day and I'd be 14 weeks exactly. I tried the Doppler again that night and I still couldn't find him. I mentioned it to my husband. We're both worried, but we know it could be normal. He's a little more optimistic than I am at this point still. But we somehow fall asleep. We go to work the next day and getting through that day was the longest of my life. I knew it in my bones that something was gonna be wrong at this appointment. And my heart rate was up the entire day. It was just, it was a long day. So when I finally got to the appointment, I had told them I couldn't find the heartbeat at home. And they said, oh, you shouldn't have done that. It's too early. Um, you shouldn't have tried. Now you're stressed for no reason. We'll find it here, no problem. But I had been finding it since like, eight weeks, eight, nine weeks at home. So the doctor came in with the Doppler. Of course, he can't find it either. He says, don't panic yet. I'm going to move you to the ultrasound room. We're going to check there. Now, 15, 20 minutes go by and I'm still sitting there alone. I feel like I'm going to die. And I had told my husband, he doesn't have to come to appointments with me anymore because now they're just second trimester, they're routine appointments. We've done this before. He doesn't need to take time off of work. It's fine. So now I'm sitting there alone. The nurse comes in and she says, I'm so sorry for the wave. The woman that's in there now had a fetal demise. So it's taking longer than expected to you know, clean the room and get her out. I'm like, okay, I'm feeling sad for her, but now I'm nervous because this, this is real life now. It's happening to someone 20 feet away from me. So this is definitely going to happen to me too. Um, so I'm texting him the entire time while I'm waiting. He keeps telling me, stay calm, stay calm. He's fine. Uh, they finally move me to the ultrasound room and they do the ultrasound. And I see my son on the screen in perfect profile. He was perfect. He had my daughter's, no my daughter's nose and he was just the perfect little boy. Um, except I see immediately that there's no heartbeat. It's just, it looks like it looks like someone took my ultrasound picture and projected it onto the monitor. Uh, the doctor says, hold on, let me try another angle. And I already know what he knows, but I let him try anyway. He says, I'm so sorry, but there doesn't seem to be a heartbeat. At this point, it's usually really easy to see at 14 weeks and there doesn't seem to be one. And he is just, he's a kind, kind man. And I can't imagine anyone else giving me this news in in such a, a caring way and I'm always thankful for him that I was able to have someone who had empathy get me through this because a lot of doctors really really don't so I start sobbing he tells me he doesn't and I tell him you don't have to explain what happened like I I can see clear as day that nothing's nothing's happening there he's gone I know he's gone he keeps scanning and apologizing that he isn't trying to torture me with the images, but he has to keep looking to put it in his report and get the measurements. He asked if I wanted him to turn the screen away from me, but I just, I couldn't stop looking knowing it was the last time I'd see my, my beautiful, perfect son. And um, said he didn't know why it happened since all the, the blood work and the genetics and everything had come back normal. And because of how far along I was, he recommended the DNA instead of trying to pass it on my own at home or with medication. I agreed immediately. This was not something I could, I thought I could do by myself at home or it just, I, I didn't think I could get through it at all in any way. So I chose the option that seemed the least horrifying. Um, 
So he gave me the name of one of his colleagues who's about 40 minutes away from there that will see me to do the procedure. Uh, he's, he calls him and asks him to, to do a favor and see me the first thing in the morning. I thank him, he apologizes again, and I'm on my way. And I'm still alone, so my daughter is at my parents' house. I have to go pick her up. I get in my car, call my husband to fill him in, and just start sobbing. I didn't even get the words out, no hello, just tears. So he knew immediately that it was over, that the news was exactly as I thought it would be, and he was gone. So I got to my parents' house, I rang the doorbell, my mom opens it and just took one look at me and no, and she just, she knows it's not good news. I managed to choke out and tell her what happened while trying to keep myself sort of composed because I see my daughter just five feet away watching me and I, I don't want her to ever remember me this way. Um, I calm down, I grab her, we head home. Another 40 minute drive home and it is the longest drive of my life. Sometime during this ride, my, my doctor called me, it's around 8 p.m. He wanted to check in on me, make sure I'm doing okay. Um, he confirmed that he got in touch with his friend and he will, he agreed to see me the first thing in the morning, which ironically enough happened to be October 15th, which is infant loss and miscarriage awareness day and the, the irony and just the, of course it is, of course, because I definitely need a double reminder every year for the rest of my life of what, what we've lost. Um, so the whole day, <laughs> the next day I'm sitting in the waiting room, just looking at everyone's Facebook posts about their, their loss, remembering and being reminded of ours as well. Um, I got home, uh, we put our daughter to bed and we just stood in the kitchen and cried. It was so surreal and an out of body experience and it still doesn't feel real. It feels like it happened to someone else, but we somehow managed to fall asleep. We head to the new doctor's office. This place was insane and crowded and just not warm and cozy like my OB is. This, this guy's, he's got an interesting bedside manner. Uh, his staff was interesting. It just, I never would have chosen this place as my doctor's office, but I trusted my doctor completely 100%. And he said, this guy's the best. So we did it. We waited for maybe over an hour, possibly two hours to get seen. And I, I guess it's because he was squeezing us in, or maybe it was just that bad there. I don't know. But he eventually did the exam. He scheduled me for the DNA the next day. And um, I would ask him questions about it and he would just like, give me one word answers or look at me funny. But again, I'm assured that he's amazing. So I just, I go with it. Um, when we got to the hospital, the was it two days later, even all the nurses in the labor and delivery unit and the surgical unit were like, no, he's the best. You don't want anyone else doing your surgery. He's tough to work with, but he is the best. So, okay, great. Um, getting through that, that day between, I had to go for the, the pre-op blood work and just the whole time I'm spotting again. I'm just praying that this process doesn't start on its own, but we, we, we make it and um, we get to the hospital. We're waiting to be checked in and we're in the, in the room. They, my husband's allowed to be with me. This is October. 
um, they eventually come to roll me into the holding bay for surgery and I just sobbed the whole way. And uh, we waited there for probably half an hour. And I also, I wear glasses and you have to take them off at this point. So now I'm sobbing and I'm terrified, but I can't see anything either. So it was just, <laughs> it was just a weird experience, but this is as far as my husband was allowed to go with me. But thank God, because I knew these were our last moments together being like sort of pregnant. And I was just a mess. I knew, I knew when it was over, like, you know, our son is gone. We're not pregnant anymore. And that beautiful image of our, our family with our, our girl and our boy, it was all over. Um, so they, you know, they wheel me into the OR and the last thing I remember before they knocked me out, they were telling me, okay, uh, you have to scoot yourself from your bed to the operating table. Make sure you put your butt in this little groove so that they can drop the half of the table down. And I just, I just lost it. And it, it, it just seemed like this can't be real. This still didn't feel real. Like this can't be happening to me. This is not my life. But the nurse was there and she just held my hand and kept telling me, I'll be okay. I'm so sorry. It'll be okay. Um, they told me, you know, count backwards from 10. And I think I made it to like nine before I was completely knocked out. They hit you with these like really happy drugs. And I felt them. <laughs> it was a great five seconds before I, I passed out. I, I felt good for the first time in, in days. Um, but then I woke up and I was groggy and they were wheeling me to recovery. And I, I was so out of it. I was like babbling something about Harry Potter, probably telling them that that was where I was before I found out at the convention. I have no idea, but she was laughing at me and it's ridiculous, but um, she just continued to comfort me. And I was in the recovery room for about an hour and then wheeled back up to my room where my husband was waiting. The nurse there helped me go to the bathroom, make sure I could keep down food. And then they gave me the discharge instructions. This was a different nurse than the one from the OR room, but she was so amazing and so kind. And she made really all the difference between the situation being bearable and just absolute hell on earth. And she kind of was easing me into the new reality for us. Um, she had never been through it herself, but it didn't matter. She was, again, empathy. The nursing staff just made all the difference. Uh, so an hour passed there while they made sure I was stable enough to go home. I passed all the little tests they give you. Um, they told me the surgery went really well. I'll bleed for a little bit, but the recovery should be easy. Um, my husband went to get the car and she wheeled me out. And I remember it was absolutely pouring, like torrential, torrential downpour. And it just felt so appropriate for the mood and everything that had just happened. And just the general vibe of what life was like. And so the days after came, the weeks came and they were, they were dark. I, I really can't explain what they felt like, but the day, the day we found out we lost him, I was too stunned really to believe that it was happening. So I didn't really process it until after the DNA, like up to that point, it was just crisis. Like get to this doctor's appointment. Don't don't give birth to him before you get there. Like you need to keep him inside and we need to just get through the surgery. It's the safest way. It's the best way for you. And it didn't really give me room to, to process. So we had found out he had been, he had been essentially dead for about a week 
before we found out that his heartbeat was gone. So I, I was terrified that I would, it was going to happen at home. I'm so, so thankful it didn't. And we were able to make it, but, um, yeah, so I just was in bed for a few days. There was little bleeding. There wasn't really pain. I just couldn't get up. My, my parents kept our daughter for a few days to give us time and give us space. And I just cried so much. It just seems like a black hole. And I never wanted to experience that again. The surgery was on a Wednesday. And this was now, I think, Saturday. My husband was having a couple of friends over to watch like a college football game. And I told him I'd come say hi, but I was not up for people and I was staying out of sight. So I was hiding in our room. He understood and was fine with it, but he felt like he needed to see people to kind of get over everything, which was fine. Um, so I took that time and decided to put all the baby stuff and the pregnancy stuff into a box. I got my pregnancy test because I kept every single one of them and there were many. I kept all, I took all my ultrasound pictures, that free Amazon registry box that you get and all the little gifts we got at our gender reveal. And I remember being sad, but okay, putting everything away. Like it was giving me that closure. Um, but then I got to this, this little outfit my mom had gotten us. It was a little onesie, with a little bear on it. And it said, bear hugs or something, a little baseball cap with a fuzzy bear on it, these little tiny boots and the, support, the smallest, most adorable little plaid bow tie I've ever seen. And even now thinking about that outfit, it gives me like a lump in my throat. Um, it was just, I don't know, something about it is just heartbreaking that it now lives in a box and not on our baby. But um, anyway, I got to this outfit and I just started sobbing. I collapsed onto the floor on the side of my bed and just laid there like almost catatonic. And I don't know how long I was there. I didn't want to bother my husband because I knew he needed space and the time with his friends and I wanted him to feel normal for a little while. But I knew if I stood up, I'd see that outfit on my bed and I, I couldn't bear it. So I like reached around, I grabbed my phone off my nightstand. I texted one of my friends, like what was going on just to get it out, get it out of me. And she was amazing. She said, do you want me to come over right now? I'll, I'll drive to you. I'll put it away for you. Um, of course I, I said, no, don't do that. I just needed to talk to someone about it, but it's little things like that, that stand out. But, um, eventually my, my husband came upstairs to check on me as he had been doing periodically throughout the night and he found me on the floor just laying there still and I told him what happened and he boxed up a little outfit for me and that was that he had later on had told me that he he struggled putting it away too because for him it was the little bow tie for me it's the shoes but we just it broke us but um time goes on even when you don't want it to and um you know I just wanted to stay there and remember like we had this baby we had a baby this was ours and as time goes on they're expected to heal and recover and kind of be okay with it and I wasn't ready to do that but you know it is what it is you can't you can't stop time so the follow-ups came and everything was well they I was physically fine they said they couldn't find a reason for the loss all the tests came back normal um I also get the reports in my patient portal and 
I was shopping at Kohl's when I got the notification that it came in. And this was before I had spoken to my doctor. So I, I assumed that it would just say like chromosomally normal or abnormal, or it would say like um, clot in the placenta, like very short and clinical and done. Uh, so I opened it in the middle of Kohl's, just, I was that desperate for answers that I didn't really stop to think what that was going to say. And I, I was not ready. It, it didn't just state those few facts. It described exactly what they took out and how many pieces and what they saw. And I remember at the very end of the report, it said there was 10 fingers and 10 toes. And this just, again, it took my breath away. And I kind of had to lean against the wall in the middle of coals and, um, pray that no one walked by me because I looked insane, but it, it just reminded me all over again. He was real. He was a baby. He was so tiny, but he was real. And eventually uh, the doctor did call me with the report and he said, there's nothing here. It's normal. It's just one of those bad luck things that happens. And I knew that, yes, it does just happen. And yeah, bad luck is probably a part of it, but there had like, something went wrong. If something didn't go wrong, he would be here now. But, and, and what are you going to do? What are you going to say? You trust them. And I knew, I knew that that was the case, but it was the second trimester. So it, it's much, much less common. And I feel like I should have pushed more, but I accepted it. My, my OB who I then called for a follow-up with him said, I'm telling you, he was an angel. He said he wouldn't make me wait to have three losses to run the recurrent loss panel because it was the second trimester. He said, let's just do the testing now because it's not common. So we had that done and everything was normal except they found like very mild hypothyroidism and I was homozygous for MTHFR. And he put me on levothyroxine for the thyroid but told me that the kind of MTHFR I had wasn't the kind that affected pregnancy. So that likely wasn't the cause. And what do I know? So I accepted that too. Um, he cleared us to start trying again. So we waited till my cycle came back after six weeks. My pregnancy test took four weeks to go negative, And then my period came two weeks after that, which was right before Thanksgiving. Um, and then before we knew it, Christmas was approaching and we had still been trying. And Christmas was such a good distraction because I had pictured Christmas and the holiday season very different. I should have been like very fat and pregnant. And instead I was there trying to lose this pregnancy weight way ahead of, of schedule. And it, it just sucked. It sucked. Um, we were still trying. I was tracking, temping, taking the teas. I even was doing acupuncture. Um, I took a test the day before our family Christmas party. It was a first response and it had a faint line. So I sent it to my cousin and she said, yeah, that looks positive. Let's take another one in the morning and it should be darker. So I'm excited. I'm like, this is great. Right before Christmas, this is, this is great. Um, I even showed my, the test to my husband and he saw it and he never sees the early lines. So I went to buy a digital and it was negative. I'm like, okay, well, the line was very faint. So maybe it was just too early. I waited till the next day, the morning of the Christmas party, took another test and it was negative again, no line at all. So I took another one that night, no line. 
So I guess that positive test was one of those indent lines that plague people because I took, I took a couple different brands and they were negative. This was the only test that was positive. So I know it wasn't a chemical, but it was, it was sad. I was, you know, the emotions were up and down that day. Like it is what it is, but then it was the Christmas party. So we kind of forgot about it and it was Christmas and then it was new Year's, So we moved on to the next cycle. You know, my period eventually did come and we just, you know, on to the next, maybe your body's not ready yet. So um, I continued to track and I was almost obsessive about getting pregnant. It was, it was really all I could do to manage my grief of losing our son. Um, we really thought that this loss would be a one-time thing and we were, we were pinning so much hope on a rainbow baby and we just had so much hope. And I know they say, you know, don't get pregnant to replace the baby you lost. And we never felt like we were trying to replace him, but focusing on that potential for new life was just so healing. And I keep saying hopeful, but it, it was, it was hopeful. And it gave us some sort of light in such a dark time. So we went all in, we, we just hoped we had caught it that cycle. And I do not do well in the two week wait. So I symptom spot and I, I just, I felt different and I felt really good about it. And this was the end of January, early February. The earliest, the earliest I could test was February 8th, I believe. And something like that. But the day before I could test, um, my nephew and his fiance had their baby and they found out they were at, they had a girl they found out at delivery and it was so exciting and it was just one more thing that <clears throat> that was some hope and happiness in this terrible time um it was hard seeing that baby knowing that ours was gone but i just had a feeling that we were going to have ours soon so i took another test or i took the first test actually the next morning and it was positive. So, so, so faint. I was like eight DPO and it was positive. Could not believe it. We were incredibly nervous, but so excited. So I made the first appointment counting down to that early scan since my doctor agreed to see me at five weeks, just so he could rule out the ectopic and just kind of ease all my anxiety about being pregnant again. Um, I had no bleeding. I had started the progesterone immediately and it seemed to be going exactly as my pregnancy with my daughter did. So I was, I was convinced that everything was good. I had no doubt we were taking that rainbow baby home and I had all the symptoms. The test kept getting darker and it just was going perfectly. The first scan came, I was like five weeks and some days and I told my husband, you have to come to every single appointment. I am never, ever getting that news again by myself. I don't, I don't care. I don't care. You have to come. So he said, absolutely. I'll be there. They start the scan and there is just like barely even a gestational sac. And he says, the doctor tells me, you know, you're five weeks. This is what we expect to see. Don't even worry about it. I'm not concerned. You're going to come back in a week and we're going to see everything. They took my HCG and my progesterone and my, my numbers were like 
over 11,000. And then my progesterone was good at 33, but I was on the supplement. So I expected that. And um, so, yeah, we come back the next week. I'm like six and a half weeks. And he does the scan again. And sure enough, baby is there. Um, little heart is beating away. We couldn't hear it, but we saw it flickering. So, you know, we, yay, we knew like, yes, this is happening. And it seemed really good. This was the beginning of March with, and this scan was actually my husband's birthday. So it was such a wonderful birthday gift for him. He got to see his, his baby, his, his healthy baby. So they gave us a due date of October 23rd and my OB agreed to see me every two weeks or as often as I needed to stay calm. Um, I made an appointment for two weeks later when I'd be eight weeks and we were on our way. And we went to the diner after it was like dinner time and the news was on in the diner and it was all the reports about coronavirus in like Washington state. And I'm just thinking, shit. That better not come to New Jersey because I can't handle one more stress in this pregnancy. Like, nope, no, this is, this is a living nightmare. Um, <laughs> we all know what came next and, and it came here and uh, my follow-up appointment was scheduled for St. Patrick's Day. So March 17th. And I got the call the day before that my husband's not allowed to come with me because the cases were rising so rapidly in New Jersey. So I'm just thinking like, oh crap, I have to do this again alone. Crap. Um, just like this virus better be in and out quickly. Like, let's go move on. Let's get it together. I laugh thinking about how optimistic I was now that we're in August and still living it. But um, anyway, I go alone and I don't know if there was already a growth problem or if the ultrasound machine was truly that terrible or the baby was laying funny, but he could not find her for like two minutes and he was doing the transvaginal and he just couldn't find her. So now I start panicking. I ask him like, what's happening? Is this really happening again? And he said, no, look, I... I saw a flicker. I just can't find her. She's really couldn't find the baby because it's so small. Eventually he sighs and he goes, okay, there's the pregnancy. There you go. There's your baby. And it was just this little blob, but we could see the, I, I could see the heartbeat. I could hear the heartbeat. I start sobbing. Oh my God. Yes. Okay. We're good. We got past that hurdle. Pregnancy continues. It progresses. I see him every two weeks, which was terrifying during COVID just walking out the front door was terrifying. And I don't know how bad things have gotten for others where you live, but it was like a sci-fi film in New Jersey during March and April. Like it was a ghost town. There was, you know, the lines of the testing centers and it was just, it was, it was bizarre. And leaving the house was terrifying for anything. I wasn't seeing my parents. Work was put on hold. My husband was working from home. And it was just so crazy, but I kept thinking like, it's okay, you're cooking this baby, it'll be worth it in the end. We'll tell this kid about the lockdown, the lockdown pregnancy, and in years down the road, we'll like have a laugh about it, a little lockdown baby. Um, but I also have a history of anxiety and panic, and it was starting to get out of hand, like almost in direct relation to what was happening with the virus and the numbers, and I was just terrified of catching it. And all the information in the news kept changing about what it was and how you get it and how bad it could be. So it was just 
adding to the already growing anxiety I was feeling as I was getting closer to that 12 week mark in the pregnancy. And now, now we're, we're approaching April and things are, you know, just getting worse. My grandmother was in a nursing home and we get a call one night that she has a fever. The next day we get the call that now it's pneumonia and low kidney function. They test her for COVID, but they won't tell us if there's an active outbreak in the home. Uh, the nursing homes are all locked down, so we can't go see her. And for some reason, they refuse to let us FaceTime her. Uh, I woke up the next day. My dad had called me several times, and he never, like, chain calls me like that. So I knew something happened. I answer the phone, and he tells me she passed in the night. But because her COVID test wasn't back yet, the funeral home had to assume she was positive, and they, they wouldn't take care of her. They basically just wrapped her in a sheet, put her in a coffin, and put her in the tomb. It was such a horrifying experience on top of an already horrifying experience going on all around us. We, we never got to say goodbye. We still haven't gotten to have a, any type of service for her. And this, this just kept, this was adding to my like grief that I was ignoring for my baby and now for my grandmother, my anxiety that things were bad. But I just kept telling myself now, my grandmother, she's watching over you. She's keeping you safe. She's keeping the baby safe. And on top of that, my due date for our son was like two weeks away. So that was looming in my head. And I was just such a basket case. And it's probably a good thing that no one was allowed to be around me because I don't think anyone would want to be near me during this time. I was just so nuts. But during all of this, at some point, we get the... Um, we did the sneak peek again and we got the results back that she's a girl. My husband laughs and did the, like, I told you so, we're destined to only have girls. And I was just stunned. I don't, I don't know how I feel at this point. I, I didn't want it to be a boy because I didn't want to replace our son, but I also wanted a boy because my brain hadn't caught up yet. And it was still stuck on the, the fact that I was pregnant with a boy and it hadn't caught up to the reality yet. So I was, of course, so happy to have another girl, but I was just a little messed up, still grieving the son we lost. Um, but, you know, we, I, I'd say in like a day, I had completely come around and was so excited to have a girl. I'm about 12 weeks along now. We told our sister she's getting a little sister. I'm heading to my NT scan again at the high-risk office. Um, I really didn't think my daughter would care about the pregnancy since she didn't at all on the last one. And I guess she's just like a little bit older and she understood more of what it meant. And she was so happy. She would ask about little sister all the time and kiss my belly. And it was so sweet. So, so sweet. Um, so I walk out the door. She gives me a kiss, a hug. She gives my belly a kiss and a hug. And I go to leave to this appointment and they tell me everything looks perfect. She's measuring on track. But I noticed at this point, her heartbeat is a little slower and it seemed to have dropped a few points like each appointment. And they, it was never out of the normal range. It was well above normal, like where that low point, they get nervous. It was well above that, but it just, it was always a little bit lower than two weeks before. So I asked and they said, no, fluctuation is normal, but like it wasn't fluctuating. It just kept getting lower. I could see myself, the baby was like bopping around, doing flips, kicking, and she just looked perfect. 
So as they're doing the scan, I feel like a little bit of leaking and you need a full, a full bladder for this one. So I just really assumed I was peeing myself and didn't think twice. So they finished the scan and I said, okay, you have to go um, give your urine sample. So when I go to get up to the bathroom, I like look down and I see my underwear and they look wrong. I remember that morning I had put black underwear on with lemons on them, but the lemons were now the wrong color. They were, they were red. And I'm like, these, it, it took me a few minutes to understand what was happening. I'm like, these lemons, these are red lemons. This, this is blood. Oh my God, this is blood. There's so much blood. So I looked into the toilet. It is just bright red. The sample cup is just full of blood. And I look at the blood had leaked through my pants. It was, it was everywhere. So I, I jump up. I'm like, I'm shaking. I'm crying. I'm alone. I have this stupid mask on and the, the mask is like full of snot and tears at this point. So I, I, I don't even know if my pants are all the way on when I fling the door open and I scream for help. The nurse comes in and she goes, what, what happened? I said, there's blood. And I get the, oh, well, you know, blood is normal in pregnancy, some blood. And I'm like, no, there is so much blood. So she took a look inside. She said, oh, 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 okay. That's a lot of blood. Called for another nurse. They came, they, they cleaned me up. They brought me to a little private room to calm me down and wait for the doctor to do another scan. And the whole time she like, she can't touch me because of COVID. So she, she'd like reach out and then have to stop herself. And she even said to me, she's like, I want to hug you. I wish I could hug you, but I'm not allowed to. And I said, that's fine. I don't really want you to touch me either. Because again, we didn't know really what it was yet. So um, they go and they, they do the rescan and everything is fine. She's still bouncing away, kicking, flipping. And the doctor comes in and he says, you know, um, I, I wondered if you had blood yet because I, I saw a hematoma on the scan, but you didn't mention any bleeding. So I, you know, we just assumed your body would reabsorb it. Like, you're not going to tell me that I could possibly be bleeding, that something is wrong. Like, what? This is the same doctor I have for my son's NT scan. And I just don't like him. He made me feel like a silly woman hormonal crazy person and shrugged me off and I will never see him again ever if I'm ever pregnant again so he looks at the scan he says okay you know that hematoma is smaller than it was um, before so that's what you're bleeding you're bleeding it out um, you might bleed for a few more days whatever so he sends me home I have no pain so I'm not I'm not too concerned but with that much blood of course you're worried so um, I go home and I'm terrified to go to the bathroom. Every time I have to pee, I'm just terrified. So my husband's like, you, ha you have to go. So I go to the bathroom and I, I just feel something come out of me. And I look in the toilet and there is the biggest clot I've ever seen in my entire life. And I now, I panic again. Cause I'm like, is that the baby? Like, what is that thing? And I, I felt it, I physically felt it come out. So I called the doctor and they said, you know, that was probably the rest of the clot. Call your OB and follow up there. So I called my OB's office. They're closed. It's the end of the day. So they're closed. I said, all right, come in in the morning. We'll do a scan. We'll make sure that it wasn't the baby. Um, and we'll make sure everything's good. So I went and got my Doppler and found the heartbeat. No problem. Everything seemed to be okay. So I went, 
I went to the doctor the next morning. Baby was still good. Okay, fine. Um, and I'm still, you know, doing this all alone. She clears out the rest of the dry blood that's still in there. She said that the spotting will be normal for a few weeks. Uh, don't, don't worry too much about it. And um, I spotted brown and pink for about three weeks. So this brought me almost exactly to my early anatomy scan at six weeks. And my husband still can't come with me. Um, so, you know, I've kind of made my peace with that, that I'm now doing this alone. Um, they do the measurements. The hematoma is still there, but it is much smaller. And the baby is doing well. Her heart rate is good. Again, a little bit lower. And now she's one day behind on measurements. And they said, at this point, one day is nothing. Um, I'm still getting bigger. I can see her moving. And I thought nothing of it. And uh, when they were doing the measurements on the umbilical cord, she seemed to to pause there for a really long time. Um, she told me it was because the baby was moving and she couldn't get a good reading. But I don't know, looking back now, I wonder. But um, eventually I saw, you know, the, the cord light up with the different colors, seeing the blood coming in and out. Um, at this office too, the, the texts pretty much tell you what's going on when they are doing the scans. So I, I just... You know, I would ask her, she would tell me, and I believed her. And granted, I've never gotten bad news from this office, so I don't know if things would be different then, but they're usually pretty transparent. So I believed her. She's, you know, she talked to me about the hematoma, and I had that same awful doctor come in and tell me everything was fine and not listen to any of my concerns again. But um, he assured me everything is perfect. She is perfect. We'll see you again at 20 weeks for the full anatomy scan. So now it's only, you know, a few weeks away. I had stopped seeing my OB every two weeks because, you know, I'm well into the second trimester now. I'm confident. I leave completely walking on air. We get great pictures. And again, she looked exactly like her big sister and her, and her brother. So we, because we're so far along, we tell everyone. We never put it on social media, but we told everyone. We, family, friends, we decided to start the nursery since we were coming up on the halfway point. Uh, Mother's Day came and goes, um, came and went. I, I took it easy, planted some flowers with my daughter. And I'm super active in the Facebook, the due date groups, like the October group. And around 18 weeks, one of the women posted that she went to an elective scan and found out that her baby had no heartbeat. And I remember thinking like, oh my God, how horrible. I remember how horrible it was at 14 weeks. I can't imagine losing my baby at 18 weeks. And then like, as the day kept going, I just couldn't shake it. I couldn't, I could not get out of my own head about our pregnancy. And this was the first time I doubted that we would be bringing home a baby in October. I texted one of my friends and um, she actually happened to be due like right after me. Um, so I texted her and I said, talk me down, tell me I'm being crazy. She knows my, my history of anxiety and getting in my own head. So I said, talk me down, tell me I'm being crazy. And she said, you're being nuts. Everything's fine. You've had nothing to tell you. It wouldn't be. So also at this point, my boobs had kind of stopped hurting, but again, I'm, I'm halfway. So I, I don't really remember with my daughter when they stopped, but I just assumed, you know, my symptoms were lessening. And I also hadn't used my Doppler since before that last, um, early anatomy um, appointment, which is weird because I was using it like several times a week, but 
I hadn't used it. And even after this like weird headspace about this girl who lost her baby at 18 weeks, I, just, I still, I still didn't bring it out to use it. Since I stopped bleeding, I never, I just wouldn't use it. I told myself, I guess I was so far, far along, it was time to trust the process. And also I wasn't feeling much movement, but I had an anterior placenta. So I just assumed like that weird pressure I was feeling was what movement would feel like with that. And there was one night, one night at dinner, we were were eating Chick-fil-A and all of a sudden my stomach just did not feel good. So I went upstairs, went to the bathroom and I was in there like curled over in pain and agony for like half an hour. And I just, I was having constipation issues the whole pregnancy. So I just assumed that once it worked its way out, we'd be good. And, um, you know, uh, 30, 40 minutes went by and eventually the pain stopped. So I, uh, I said, okay, great. You know, cool. Moved on, thought nothing of it. And, uh, my next appointment now was, I guess the following week. And I knew I had to use my Doppler before going into that appointment. Like I always did, but for some reason I was just terrified to pull it out. So I texted my cousin and I said, hype me up hype me up to use this Doppler. I don't know why, but I'm too scared to do it. So she gets me all pumped. I pull it out. I can't find the heartbeat. I'm now 19 weeks and I can't find the heartbeat. I tried for 30 minutes. There is nothing. All, all I heard was like whistling wind and nothing. I heard my pulse and nothing else. I had my daughter in the room with me and I had to have my husband take her out because it just sounded exactly like it did with my son when there was, when I, I knew it was over. My husband keeps telling me everything's fine. She's hiding. My cousin works in labor and delivery. And she said with the anterior placenta, this happens, just stay calm. Went downstairs, had dinner, put my daughter to sleep, tried again, still nothing. Now I'm hysterical. I'm absolutely hysterical. And my husband tells me now, he tells me, you know, he was still hopeful at this point until he saw how convinced I was that it was over. And I remember laying in bed that night, just looking at him and telling him I wouldn't survive it if it was happening again. I was really convinced that losing this baby would be my undoing and it was close. Um, I slept maybe four minutes that night, which sucked because I knew the next day would be probably round two of the longest day of my life. So I made him drive me to the appointment and wait in the car because I knew I couldn't make that drive alone if it was bad news. There was still 1% of me that had hope. So I walked in, told the nurse the ordeal that I couldn't find the heartbeat. They um, put me right into the ultrasound room and said, no, we, we're not going to put you through the torture of the Doppler. This appointment also happened to be my glucose tolerance test. So I had just drank that disgusting sugar drink. Um, as I was still hoping that there would be a point to it. So while I was waiting for the doctor, they took my blood for the glucose test, took my blood pressure. It was 140 over 90 and my pulse was 134. I was so worked up and terrified. And eventually the doctor came in and it was actually the last visit I would have with him because he was leaving the practice that week and moving to upstate New York. And I so didn't want our last visit to be awful. But as soon as he put the ultrasound on my belly, I knew in half a second it was over. It was the strongest sense of deja vu, except this time my daughter did not look perfect like my son did. Um, 
she looked like a little blob of nothing laying in the bottom of my stomach. And I couldn't tell what part of her was what. Whereas my son was still a perfect baby, this looked like mush. And it was one of the hardest things I have ever seen in my entire life. And that image haunts me. My perfect son image haunts me, but this one was just, it was so upsetting. Um, we go through the routine again. He apologizes, scans around for forever to confirm. Tells me again, I have to go see his colleague for the surgery. 19 and a half weeks at this point and anything under 20 weeks in New Jersey, you're still allowed to have the DNA. And I opted for that because I knew what that ultrasound looked like. I knew what giving birth would look like. And I, there's no part of me that was, would have been able to see that. So he wanted me to go in immediately and have it done as quickly as possible because I was way too far along to go at home and have it happen. I'm begging him, just send me to the hospital. Please don't send me back to that doctor's office. Please, please, please. <laughs> they said no, because of COVID, even if he sent me to the ER, they wouldn't do anything because they have to do the COVID test, wait for the negative and just procedure. So now I'm in crisis mode. I need to get this baby out. I, at this point, I don't know how long she was gone, but I knew it had been quite some time based on what that ultrasound looked like. And I realized that pressure I was feeling was contractions, not movement. He apologized a million times and I try and make light of the situation and say like, this isn't how I wanted to leave you, but you know, it is what it is. I get to my husband's car and we, we just cry. Our daughter is there too. So um, we held it together as best as we can. Um, my parents live in the same town as this doctor's office. So I called my mom and just like sob, choke out the words that like we're bringing our daughter over and she just kind of groans and it's like no 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 it, we hadn't seen them since before COVID started so she knew that we were coming over it was not for a happy visit she knew something had happened to that baby um so we pull up there my both my parents are waiting outside for us we basically like toss them our daughter <laughs> just like kind of chucked her out of the car said bye and 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 left and I still feel really bad about the way we, we kind of handed her off, but um, we had to get to this other appointment as quick as possible. So we get there. And I guess since this time I was a repeat customer with no good news, they let me wait in a private room. And um, I'm still sobbing. This mask is now like soggy paper and they give me all the paperwork to fill out. They, they make me wait to, they're waiting to hear from the hospital to figure out what to do. So in the meantime, they take me back, they put the dilators in because he's assuming he's gonna do the surgery the next day for me because of how far along I was. So he puts those in and then he sends me to the ultrasound room and they do a final scan just to confirm. And I asked the woman, you know, when did the growth stop? And she said, um, probably around 17, 17 and a half weeks. So she was in there for almost three weeks. Um, so now I'm, I'm kind of panicking that, you know, I'm at risk for infection now. She's, I don't, this is a terrible word, but it's, it's almost festering inside of my uterus. And now I'm on high alert. Like we have to get this done now. So hours are going by. I'm just sitting there and the nurse, eventually the office manager and the nurse or someone was like, okay, um, 
why don't you leave, go get some food, and I'll contact you when we hear from the hospital. Great, okay. I'm assuming I'm going to get a COVID test that day because that made sense. So we get maybe three minutes away. She calls back and she says, you have to come back right now. I'm like, I have to come back? Why do I have to come back? And she said, well, the hospital is not gonna be able to do the surgery tomorrow or the next day. They're not gonna do it until Friday. It's, it's Tuesday at this point. So I have to make it through all of these days now. And she says, you have to come back. We have to take the dilators back out. And putting them in was torture. Taking them out was worse. So we do that. They, I said, you know, why can't I just go get that, that COVID test? And she said, you know, the rules are changing every day with COVID and we just don't know. So go home, take it easy. So we go home, uh, kind of just live the rest of that day in a complete blur. And then the next day, Wednesday, I just, we still hadn't really realized what happened. Like I felt nothing. I knew that my, my grief and my sadness was in there somewhere, but I couldn't find it. I, I just, it didn't, I just felt nothing. I felt no happiness, no sadness, no, no nothing. And it was like I had turned it off and I knew when it came up, it would be terrible. But I think the shock and the trauma and like the compounded grief from the first loss and this, I just, I shut it all down. So we kind of just went through that day completely normal and uh, we were cleaning the house a little bit and we went for a walk. And when we got back from the walk, I was feeling a little bit crampy. And um, I also had been spotting that whole day, but I assumed it was from those dilators in and out and the like three internal exams I had done. So I had these cramps. I decided to lay down. My husband was like, just take it easy. You know, it'll be okay. So um, I go to go to bed, go to the bathroom first. And there's this like huge glob of bloody jelly. Now I was induced with my daughter and had a C-section. So I never lost my plug. I never saw it anyway. And um, this thing, it was just disgusting. And I'm like, this, this is a mucus plug. It has to be. So I texted my cousins who had all, you know, given birth and seen them. And they, uh, they're like, yeah, that's, that's your mucus plug. So now I'm terrified, terrified, terrified that I'm going to go into labor. And um, so I, I go to lay in bed and the cramps are getting worse. So I call my OB and they're like, okay, you know, come into the hospital because you're spotting and now you lost your plug. Let's just see what's going on. So I get there and I have to go check in with all of the pregnant women and they see me. The resident comes and she says, okay, you're, you're like a centimeter dilated just a little bit. You're not having contractions, but you know what? We're going to keep you overnight and we'll do your surgery in the morning. Like, oh my God. Yes. If you could do that, that would be great. So she goes, I just have to check with the on-call doctor first. I'm like, okay, what, what monster wouldn't allow that to happen? The doctor comes in and she was like, no, we can't do that. Sorry. And basically like shrugged her shoulders at us and was just like, eh, you know, if you start bleeding, we'll do it. But no, we, you have to go home. I'm like, I'm, I'm in labor. I'm going into early labor. You're just going to send me home. And she's like, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. And she was cold and awful. And I, I do not like her. So we go home it's like midnight. Now I fall asleep. I wake up the next day, try calling the hospital and move it up. And they're like, no, come in now for your COVID test. Or no, I had taken the COVID test the day before and the results had come in. And they're like, okay, yeah, your test is negative. Come in and we'll do your blood work or something. I don't know. It's all very blurry. 
we just had to get through one more day. My surgery was the day after. So then the grief started hitting that night a little bit, but we were still in crisis mode. So we went to bed just like almost excited in a sick way that it would all be over tomorrow. Um, so about three or 4 AM, I woke up with the worst pain I've ever felt. And it was, I was on all fours, just like trying to breathe, but in just excruciating pain. So we almost went back in, but then it stopped and we went back to sleep. We woke up, find out my surgery the next day is not until like 3 PM and I'm not allowed to eat up after midnight. So wake up, just try and get through the day. I'm starving, but eventually we get there. Um, my husband comes with me to check in and they stop him at the door to the same day surgery unit. And last time they had let him in with me, but because of COVID they, they didn't. So he had to wait in like a random chair because there's no chairs. There's just emptiness. Um, so they make him wait. The head nurse or the charge nurse was like, I'm going to petition to the vice president of the hospital because your situation, I'm going to try and get him in. So I'm alone in this hospital room, absolutely hysterical. Not only am I doing this again, I'm doing it again alone. And that is even worse than the first time. So maybe like 20 or 30 minutes later, they let my husband come in and I'm so happy. And thank God they did because my surgery was pushed back like an hour. So I was there a long, long time. They uh, eventually came to wheel me in. I'm again, crying the whole way to the operating room. They didn't put me in the holding bay this time. They put me straight into the operating room, which I completely wasn't expecting. And as soon as they started to explain that I had to move myself to the table, I and put my butt in that little hole. I just lost it again. I knew this already. I had just done this. I, I just did this. The anesthesiologist said he would give me some drugs for the nerves, which made me cry harder because flashbacks just, I was right back in it. And the last thing I heard him saying was they were giving me a second dose because I was still a mess. And the nurse telling me that everything would be okay. And, um, you know, I woke up feeling groggy, but fine alone in the recovery area. They, they wouldn't let my husband in with me. They, um, eventually put me back in my room. They fed me. They made sure I went to the bathroom. It was the same nurse as the first time, which was wonderful. Um, the surgery went really, really fast, like less than a half an hour. So I knew she basically more or less fell out of me. This was like 20, 30 minutes. The first one was like 45 to 60 minutes. And, um, yeah, so the days after they go by and I was in just a terrible place. And because of COVID, we couldn't distract ourselves. We couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't do anything. Thankfully, my parents have been self-isolating. So we at least had the help for our daughter from them. But I, I just cried. When it finally hit me, it took me down. It just took me down like I knew it would. And they, they say grief is like waves. But this, this had to be like a tsunami. I couldn't find my way up. I would cry so hard I couldn't breathe and like just tiny little things would trigger it. We had just cleared out the room that was supposed to be her nursery the week before. So walking past that closed door was just like this constant reminder of what we lost all over again. And like I've felt grief before and I've lost plenty of loved ones, but I've never felt anything like what this was. And now we had to tell everyone again. 
that we lost another baby, but it was actually easier this time. Yes, we already knew like how to go through the motions. And everyone was like really supportive and we felt the love through the following weeks, but you know, time goes on, people stop asking and checking in and I think it's because they want, you know, they're afraid to bring it up or they, they, they think it's going to hurt you if, if they say something or you're expected to heal in a certain amount of time. But seeing the world continue to move while we wanted to scream at everyone to stop, like we just lost our baby, stop being normal, like stop, stop being normal. Each day that, that passed was a day I was further away from having my babies with me. And I never wanted, I never wanted to get too far past it where I, I forgot that they existed because they did exist. They were mine. They're my, they're my children. Um, my husband was great through this entire thing, but you know, he'll never know what it's like to lose a baby and have your body betray, like completely betray you that way. Uh, we also had to tell our daughter what happened this time. Um, the first time we hoped that she would just forget and she did, but this time she knew more of what was going on. So we were so scared to hurt her and it was happening right around her birthday and we didn't want to ruin it for her. And we sat down and we told her. And she cried and said she was really sad. We said, you know, we're really sad too. It's okay. And uh, she was upset for a little bit and then asked to watch some TV and never brought it up again. And I don't know if that's a good thing, but that's, that's where we landed with her. And during that whole ordeal, my cousin had had her baby. And, and it, was, it was so beautiful as much pain as we were feeling. And I was so scared that like seeing pictures of their baby was going to bring me, bring me down again. But she just was so, it just brought me so much joy and happiness and like just seeing their happiness too. Like it helped distract a little bit from what we were going through and, and she's my goddaughter. So it was just so exciting to finally like see her and I know she was here, but you know, I was still dealing with my own grief. So I decided to see a therapist this time. And that was really helpful. Uh, we started doing our follow-ups and I found out that she was a healthy and normal girl. And that's, they expected that I had had a placental abruption and that that bleeding episode I have is what triggered it. They also thought the pain I felt at dinner that night is probably when it happened. So, um, I also saw in the report that she had already, she was starting to break down. So I'm even more thankful that I didn't have to deliver because I, I would have not been able to deal with that. Um, the report also said that it was a partial delivery. So I, it confirmed for me that she did come out pretty much on her own. So um, following that, I, I refused to take it just being bad luck this time. That's two second trimester losses in a year and after having a normal pregnancy. So. I started doing my own digging. I found out um, in research from other countries that my MTHFR was much more significant than the doctors were admitting. Um, it said, basically, I do have the lesser of the two versions of it, but having two copies of this mutation is bad no matter how you spin it. So um, I also found the chairman of the high-risk office and set an appointment with him to go over everything. I found a new OB since mine was gone. And even if he wasn't gone, I don't think mentally I could ever step back in that office anyway. Um, I also made an appointment with fertility doctors and I found a holistic practitioner to work on managing the MTHFR with me for going forward. All of these doctors and specialists 
pretty much agreed that the placenta had detached. They all gave different timelines of when we can try again, but um, right now we decided to wait three months and focus on our health. Um, I wanna lose the weight I gained in those two back-to-back -back pregnancies, make sure my body is ideal, it's in a perfect place. Um, the holistic practitioner and a couple of the other doctors think that my implantations aren't going well, which is causing the placenta to not attach properly, which is causing it to detach later on. So I'm gonna do um, a few supplements to, um, to aid in, um, in, in that. So the baby aspirin to thin the blood, uh, fish oils, um, some support for my MTHFR, um, progesterone once we start trying. Um, I switched out like all of my personal products and cleaning products to natural versions and I just want to get my body as clean as possible. Um, I, I don't want to go through this again. I want to do every single thing possible I can to make next time go well. So three months from when it happened would put us into September. So we're almost there. We're just waiting for that third cycle to come. Um, you know, I miss my babies every single minute of every day. And there hasn't been a day, an hour, a minute that I don't think of them and, and wish that they were still here with us. Like my, my daughter should have a brother and or a sister at this point. I will always wonder what they, what they would have been, who they would have been. And it, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart to, to have to carry that with me forever. And and I just want them back. In the end of the, at the end of the day, I just want them back. Um, I wish that there was a happy ending to my story, but we're not done yet. Um, we're gonna start trying again, again, like I said, in the fall, um, those three months are just about up. So we just wanna make sure we're mentally and physically ready to give it another go. And, you know, we're just determined to give our daughter a sibling. And that is, that is our story. Girl, you've been through it. It has been a ride. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, good luck moving forward, and you'll have to Thank keep you. us posted. Of um, course. I always ask at the end of every episode, if you have one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be? Yes, I have a couple of quick little things. Um, question everything. Doctors aren't always right. Uh, they do know what they're talking about, but they're not always right about everything. They, I accepted things that I feel I should have pushed more. Um, I don't know if it would have made a difference in the end, but I'd, I'd feel more like I did everything I could have if I had pushed a little harder. Do your own research, be your own advocate. It's your body, it's your life. You have a right to know and explore every option that's available to you. And then find your tribe. I was I was all over the lost message boards on what to expect and Facebook. And one woman actually pulled me into her Facebook group for struggling moms. And I've met some super strong and supportive, amazing women in there. And also finding this podcast, I, I found this when I was so, so vulnerable and it helped me so much between the stories um, in the podcast and the online community. And it was just so helpful to heal the second time around and it helped me feel like I needed to, to know that I needed to feel what I needed to feel and don't be ashamed. And there is hope that things, things can be better and they will be better. I love all of that. Thank you so much. Um, if somebody you. wants to reach out to you, where could they do so? 
Um, on Instagram, my name is, it's silly, but it's Swouch, S-W-O-U-C-H. And it's, um, it's a private profile, but I will answer any messages. I like, please talk to me. I know there's not many people that go through this later on in the pregnancy. So if you need to talk to someone or have questions, I am an open book. I would love to talk to you about it. Awesome. And I'll link your Instagram in the description of this episode as well. So it's easy for people to find. Perfect. uh, I just appreciate you so much. And yeah, like I said, good luck. It's, I mean, you're getting there. It's almost September. I know. It's like exciting and terrifying. September. Yeah. (laughs) Also, maybe by the time this airs, we'll have some good news for us. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll have to do an update episode at some point. Yes, I will. Yes. Yes. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you. And we'll thank you. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb cam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together. 